0: Coming up.
1: I formed the corporation this year and I'm the president. My mother's vice president and my father's secretary.
0: The corporation as person. I
1: want to be a boss. I want to be a big boss. I want to bust the world around. I want to be the biggest boss that ever bust the world around.
2: What does it even mean to say that corporations are persons?
1: My grandmother's treasurer. My uncle's on the board of directors. We got together the first week
2: and they tried to squeeze me out. Are corporations conscious? Do they remember, reason, experience guilt and joy? What is the point of calling corporations
1: prison? I found the power block with my uncle and he sent my grandmother to jail. I wanna be a bus, I wanna be a big bus, I wanna bust the world around, I wanna be the biggest bust that ever bust the world around.
0: Should corporations have the same rights to freedom of speech as real persons do? Our guest is Robert Monks, co-author of Corporate Governance.
1: I wanna do it right, I wanna do it right away, I wanna do it. The
0: corporation as person coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that
2: began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, the corporation as person. Well, Ken, I, I understand that according to American law, and, and indeed the law in a lot of the rest of the world, corporations are persons. Fictional persons or corporate persons or something like that. There must be two sides to this issue, but I can only see one. This is a really stupid idea. Corporations are not persons. They're corporations. Groups of people in general are not persons. It's almost always a dumb idea to call something by a name that doesn't fit it, that it doesn't deserve. By calling corporations persons, we seem to let a lot of lame brains, including a majority of the Supreme Court, if I may speak disrespectfully, to think that they are persons.
0: Well, John, I I sympathize with your point of view, but it seems to me a bit extremes. I mean, look, groups of people, including corporations, do a number of things that individual people do. They make promises, they tell lies, they incur debt, and, and things like that. The concept of a corporation and other collection of human beings as fictional persons... It's a simple way to recognize that fact that what they, we do, they do too. Groups of people were issuing statements true and false, buying buildings and stuff like that long before the law or the Supreme Court came into it explicitly. And with the rise of corporations in the 19th and 20th century, it seemed like a good idea to some people to, to get clear about the extent to which corporations were and were not like persons. Hence, we get the concept of a fictional person.
2: Oh, yeah, sure, Ken. I mean, I agree. Groups of people can do things collectively, like issue statements of the same sort that people can do individually. This is no doubt inevitable and probably a good thing. Corporations go a step further. Uh, They're set up so that to shield the liability of the people that make them up in various ways and so forth.
0: And that may be a good idea, too. I agree with all that. But I guess what you're saying, I, I think I get your drift, is that there's that's no reason at all to abuse language and confuse concepts in order just to keep track of those kind of facts you just referred to. We just need to say that groups of people and corporations can make statements, incur debts, sue and get sued, and whatever whatever other things we think it's a good idea for them to be able to do. And we don't really need to bring the concept of a person into it. Is that what you're saying?
2: It's exactly what I'm saying. As soon as we call corporations person, we have have created a metaphor that then runs amok. We create a default assumption that corporations should be treated like persons unless you can invent some reason uh, uh, not to that you can base on the Constitution or something. The Constitution, a document written long before corporations, were of much importance. Indeed, the corporations that existed then were mostly very irritant uh, uh, entities as far as the Founding Fathers were concerned. The the Constitution guarantees rights to persons,
0: applying the word person to non-persons just confuses things. Well, I agree that the phrase corporate person or fictional person or artificial person may not be the linguistically optimal way to handle uh, some certain difficulty. Still, the, 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 the facts and problems remain however we describe these things. Corporations exist and can do many things that persons can do, and that provides a practical v- advantage that our country and most countries around the world like to include in the legal structure. So the question still arises in what way should corporations be treated like persons, and in what way Should they be treated as unlike persons? For example, should we put special restrictions on the speech of corporations? That question still comes up.
2: Well, uh, as a philosopher, that is to say, with someone whose historical understanding and legal understanding is no doubt quite flawed, here's how I understand what's happened. Various states have tried to make laws to the effect that say corporations are not allowed to tell lies and may be sued for doing so. Or perhaps are not allowed to buy quite as much time uh, for political purposes as individuals could if they had the money. Then the Supreme Court says, oh, no, you can't do that. The 14th Amendment says that all persons throughout a state must have the same rights. You can't distinguish between the free people and the slave people. So an amendment created as part of ending slavery is abused to prevent the individual states from making reasonable differentiations between the rights of people real people human beings and the ways we wish corporations to be allowed to behave to repeat my profound philosophical analysis stupid Stupid and more stupid.
0: Well, John, it far be it from me to be skeptical about your profound legal, historical, philosophical analyses. But, you know, I I would like us to get some expert help with these issues.
2: Well, uh, we do have an expert. We have Robert Monks, who's going to join us in a few minutes. He's the author of a book called Corpocracy, How CEOs and the Business Roundtable hijack the world's greatest wealth machine. I, I think you can you can suspect which side he's on.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? And we also want the help of our, our audience, our audience of non-fictional persons. Join the conversation. 1-800-525-9917. That's
2: 1-800-525-9917. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Jill Repligal, delves even deeper into the legal history of corporate personhood. She files this report
1: everybody makes a mistake once in a
2: while, but I just can't be personally responsible.
0: Well, maybe you'd better incorporate the store.
3: This is archival footage included in a 2003 documentary called The Corporation.
0: Incorporating would give you the big advantage of what you want right now, limited liability. You start with a group of people who want to invest their money in a company. Then these people apply for a charter as a corporation. Now that corporation operates legally as an individual person.
3: So how can a corporation be a legal person? Well, a corporation can own property, it can borrow money, buy and sell things. It can sue and be sued. Think BP, Toyota and all those big banks. Corporations are considered artificial persons. But where did that idea come from?
1: Part of it is inheritance from England and part of it is constitutional.
3: Eric Talley is a law professor at UC Berkeley.
1: It's been a sort of a creeping evolution of what corporate rights and privileges and responsibilities are.
3: First, corporations were guaranteed the practical rights needed to run a business. Then the 14th Amendment to the Constitution came along, and that's when things got complicated.
2: Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws.
3: Now, the 14th Amendment was designed to guarantee equal rights to former slaves, not to corporations. But a series of court cases changed all that. One in particular was key to the corporation's morph into a person. It was a Supreme Court case involving a railroad company and taxes, and it probably would have been forgotten if not for a note written in the case record.
1: The clerk for the court at the time uh, had asked the uh, the chief justice of the court in, in, in crafting up the case notes, essentially the introduction to the opinion, what should I be putting in here? Uh, I have uh, put in a small squib that says, uh, you know, the issue has been raised as to whether corporations have constitutional rights under the 14th Amendment. The court was of the opinion that they do and they proceeded to this opinion.
3: The Chief Justice said the note was fine, even though the court had avoided the 14th Amendment question in the actual case.
1: And so this head note drafted by someone that wasn't even a judge and wasn't even the topic of deliberation among the judges, turns out to be this crystallizing moment in which not only is it the case that simple commercial types of rights that had been uh, largely part of you know the contracts clause and so forth would apply to corporations, but also a host of other types of civil liberties.
3: Since then, corporations have gained more and more of the same rights you and I have as real flesh and blood people the question is is there still any difference between us
1: well this is the big problem with with this line of logic is that it very quickly gives rise to, you know, what uh, you know, a law professor might call a reductio ad absurdum. You can reach a quite absurd conclusions by pursuing this line of logic. Why wouldn't it necessarily be the case if corporations are persons that corporations um, shouldn't have the right to vote? Uh, why shouldn't corporations be subject to conscription uh, into the army? It clearly has a stopping point at some point at which uh, the the next proposition is so absurd that no one would sign on to it. And so the the hard part is trying to figure out where that stopping point is.
3: For Philosophy Talk, I'm Jill Replogel.
1: Want to
0: hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.